Thessalonians chapter 4. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that ye may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend, descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore encourage one another with these words. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brother, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for the day to, su to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet of the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for, for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as ye are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Years ago, when I was in graduate school, working on my first master's degree, half of it was in counseling. And it was a liberal public university. And we were taught uh, in those counseling classes uh, the Carl Rogers theory of doing things. And in uh, the Rosarian theory of doing things, when people come to counseling, you don't speak much at all, if any at all, into their lives. Uh, rather, what you do is you listen and you allow them to arrive at their own reality, at their own truth. Uh, we were able to watch videos of a woman who was a client and she had allowed the counselor to video the sessions. Uh, she had lost a child. She appeared to be maybe late 30s, early 40s when the counseling began. When she came into the room for the first time, she smoked incessantly. Her, uh, there were bags under her eyes. She looked terrible. And we saw little uh, snippets of the counseling experience that lasted three years with her. During that three years, according to the way uh, that the counseling was done, she processed uh, this herself. She tried to figure it out uh, herself with the counselor's uh, simple nudging, simple, uh, simply kind of nudging her along. And 
And uh, it didn't matter how long it took you uh, in that kind of counseling, that theory, which I don't think to be very good. uh, You don't speak truth into someone. You let them get there. One of the things that I remember, though, from seeing her over that period of three years was the toll that grief took on her. And certainly, if you are in here this morning, and some of you are, uh, and you've lost a son, you've lost a daughter, uh, you've lost a wife or a husband, you've lost uh, a mom or a dad, uh, grief is real. The question in front of us is, do we grieve differently because we belong to Christ? Uh, How does grief look for us? And if so, how is it different that we grieve uh, when uh, when we uh, suffer uh, differently uh, than those who grieve, uh, who have no hope in Christ? Paul speaks to that in this passage. In order for us to get it, I want to push the rewind on history as we know it and go farther back than perhaps you have ever thought. Uh, let's go all the way before uh, God decides to, uh, to, to create us. Let's go to this time when God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit uh, dwelt together, lived together in a a harmonious relationship that you and I find difficult to fathom. Uh, There's God the Father who loves the Son deeply, the Son who loves the Spirit, the Spirit who loves the Father, the Spirit who loves the Son, the Son who loves the Father. Uh, Think uh, to the most wonderful family time you've ever had and then amp that up as far as you can. And this is the love that exists between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. They are completely uh, happy. Uh, There is nothing of dissension, nothing of division. And at some point in all of that, uh, they created angels. Angels who worshiped them, who would sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And there is nothing of dissension or division until one of those angels decides that he would like to be God. And so he wages a rebellion. He convinces some other angels to come with him, a third of them to be exact. And uh, his name was Lucifer. He was an archangel, one of the chief angels. And he does, and they, they, they fall from heaven. God casts them out. And once that happens, nothing is disturbed still in heaven. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Spirit. They all love each other. The angels worship. It is a remarkable place. And then at some point, the Father looks at the Son and says, Let us make man in our image. And they decide and 
to create, and they do. And Adam is made, and, and he's put to sleep, and Eve comes from his rib, and they are the first couple. And in a little slice of heaven on earth, Eden is created, and they are put in that beautiful garden, and all is well. All is well until the same angel who decided that he didn't want that to go well in heaven, that he wanted to be God, decides if I can't interrupt the perfection of heaven, I'll go for the perfection of the Garden of Eden. So what does he do? He comes slithering in the garden and he attempts to throw Adam and Eve and he succeeds One of the things you must remember is this, is that if uh, Satan did not ultimately triumph in his attempt to disrupt heaven, he will not ultimately triumph in his attempt to uh, disrupt humanity. Amen? His days are numbered. He is not the ultimate victor. And so what happens then is Adam and Eve do what we all do when we blow it. We hide, we lie, we uh, shift blame. They, uh, that's what they do. And God comes walking in the garden as he normally did. He calls them out and they're hiding. And then Genesis 3, that great conversation where God uh, curses the ground. God curses childbirth. And he curses the serpent. And there's verse 15. In verse 15, uh, God says something is about to happen. Uh, There is a a woman and her seed, the serpent and his seed, and uh, the the seed of the serpent will, uh, will strike the heel of the seed of the woman. And certainly that happened 4,000 or so years later, uh, crucifixion, it seemed all hope was lost. The the sky turned dark. The earth quaked. Uh, uh, Jesus cried out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment, the seed of the serpent, Satan, had struck the heel of the seed of the woman. Jesus, who was the seed of his mother Mary, had struck the heel. And we thought it was over if you had lived in that time. Disciples scattered. Peter was fishing again. Uh, uh, Judas was dead. Uh, Jesus' ministry as we know it was gone until three days later. You see, there was a different uh, end that Jesus envisioned that God said in Genesis 3.15 would happen. That the seed of the woman would crush the head of the seed of the serpent. And three days later, Resurrection Sunday, when Jesus came forth from the grave, Satan's head was crushed. Amen? Amen. And so if then we go all the way back to pre-human history and know that there God was in complete and total joy. Created angels who worshipped him, Satan fell. Created humans. Knowing what that would cost, Christ went to the cross, resurrected. This is not a cycle we're in. This is a line. History is linear. And if there is this in 
Inside of eternity, a beginning point of human beings, there is inside of eternity an end point of life as we know it here. And Paul says it is in that that we have hope. Uh, That's what he says to the Thessalonians. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers. The word means ignorant. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. He doesn't say you won't grieve. You just won't grieve hopelessly. You will grieve with a measure of hope. There is a condition. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. The condition for this is belief in what I just described. Genesis 3.15, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Since we believe. And Paul describes that day when history as we know it, will come to an end. He says, first of all, the the second coming of the Lord of Christ will be marked by a resurrection. Even so, he says, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Let me pause for a moment and just, just ask a question, all right? This is class participation. If you've ever fallen asleep, uh, raise your hand. All right, just look around, right? That's everybody. If you were asleep when I asked the question, come on, Gino. All right, so what is my point? For the believer, death is as effortless as falling asleep. That's the metaphor Paul uses all throughout this passage for those who have Fallen asleep, God will bring with him. Now that ought to raise a question for you. If you're thinking this morning, I know that this is zombie day, right? Lost an hour last night, you're kind of in a weird uh, weird spot. It's zombie day. But if you're thinking this morning, here it is. Here it is. If God is going to bring with him those who have fallen asleep, uh, you are thinking, I thought I left my mom in that grave. If I left her there, how is it that God brings her with him when he returns? Great question. Glad you asked. Great question. When we die, when we die, our bodies go into the grave or whatever it is, sometimes a vase, our bodies go into that. When At that moment, our souls are with the Lord if we believe. Our souls are with the Lord. 
and God will bring uh, with him those who have fallen asleep. 2 Corinthians 5.8. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body to be at home with the Lord. It, it means that if we're here, we're with the Lord. When we die, we're with the Lord. Either way, we're with the Lord. That's what Paul is saying. For this, we declare, so Paul, uh, the Thessalonians may think, well, how does he know this? Paul says, this we declare by a word from the Lord. My authority isn't in me. Paul is saying, God himself has given this to me, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So Paul begins to give the order. If Christ were to come today, we would stand back as the graves open. And the dead raise. We would stand back and those who have died in Christ would raise first. That's what Paul says. But I love the next phrase. For the Lord himself. I love that. Why? Leaders, all good leaders delegate. They do. All good leaders delegate. But there are some tasks you don't delegate. And this is one of them. Jesus isn't sending uh, angels. He isn't sending the prophets. He's not sending the heavenly hosts to come and get his bride. I remember the day Wendy and I got married. And I stood there. I I came in uh, through that infamous side door, right? And uh, the place was full of people. And do you know, I wasn't near as interested in the uh, few hundred people who were there at that wedding as I was this one girl who was going to walk down that aisle. I remember standing there waiting. I had not seen her dress. I did not know what she looked like in it. And I could not wait to see her. Why? She's my bride. I'm her groom. Could you imagine if I'd woken up that July 15 morning and said, Hey, call up a friend. Get married today. Would you go fetch Wendy for me? Wouldn't have gone over very well, would it? Why, she's my bride. I'm her groom. And we are the bride of Christ. And so Jesus isn't sending an ambassador. He isn't sending an emissary. He's coming himself. And the Lord himself with what? The cry of command. I wrote about this this week in the blog. His first cry was the cry of a baby. His second cry was the cry of a criminal when he screamed from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But his third cry will be the cry of a king. And he will come back with the cry of command. That word command refers to the, uh, to the captain of a ship who is calling the command to his rowers. It refers to a general who's calling the command to those who are in his charge. When Jesus comes back, it will not be a sheepish cry. It clearly says here, there will be a shout, the sound of a trumpet, the voice of an archangel. Jesus, who came screaming into this world as a baby who screamed from the cross as a criminal carrying all of our sins will come back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? That gives us hope. That gives us hope. And the dead in Christ will rise first. There will be a resurrection of all of the saints. 
The second coming of Christ will be marked by a resurrection. Secondly, the second coming of Christ will be marked by a reunion. Uh, Don't miss this. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. All right, so Christ will return. When he does, the dead bodies will raise. The souls come with him, reunited, immediate, brand new body. Then we who are alive, changed. Uh, Jesus would describe it in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, changed. Two words I want to call your attention to in this passage. One is together and the other is always. Uh, Why is the word together so huge? Uh, The reason it matters is that death takes what we have and becomes the great separator. You're no longer together as you once were. If you've ever lost someone close to you, you will go for days and be fine. And then all of a sudden you'll have a day and your heart will long, won't it? And you'll long for him. You'll long for her. Uh, Your heart will ache. Why? You're not together anymore. That's hard. Death is the great separator. At the resurrection, there will be a reunion together, together again. Not only, not only that, but the word always. You see, death has this effect. It takes our always and makes it not now. She's always been your mom, but all of a sudden she's gone. And and there's a day when you want just to have a talk with her. Death uh, takes her always and makes it not now. Jesus' second coming takes her not now and makes it forever. Aren't you glad? He takes our not now and he turns it into forever. So we will always be with the Lord. Don't miss that last little prepositional phrase on the end of that promise with the Lord. Uh, Yes, we think of our loved ones. And yes, we think of the ones we hold dear to us whom we've lost. But but keep in mind that the one descendant in the clouds is the one who who, uh, died for you. And the one descending in the clouds is the one who resurrected and the one who ascended into heaven. He's the one who's coming back. Uh, The second coming will be marked by a reunion. Yes, with your loved ones. Yes, with your loved ones. But how about that first face-to-face meeting with Jesus? Wow. How about that first look in his eyes? How about that first uh, gaze at the one who gave everything he had that you and I might enjoy this moment with our loved ones? We will see him. What a day that will be. Amen. Amen. What a day. Uh, Paul does it in here. Takes a sudden twist in chapter 5. The second coming will be marked third by a rude awakening. Wow. 
Isn't it amazing that you and I, who could so long to see Jesus, that there are others who, who hate him, who despise him. Maybe you sit here today and you don't know Christ and you internally fight against his laws and his word and his charge that he demands uh, over your life. That, that scripture says if you know Christ, he, he, he's your Lord. He's your boss. He calls the shots. But there's something within you that says, I'd rather call my own shots and do my own thing. How will his coming be for you? Should you never change? Should you go on to your death? Or in your life, he should return. Here's how it's described. It will come like a thief in the night. You're you're asleep and you hear the glass. And you're startled from your sleep. And the thief has broken in and you are devoid of any safety or security and you are scared for your life. For those who don't know Christ, that is how his return will be. And, and they will cower in fear like a thief in the night. But Paul also says it will be like a woman's pains of childbirth. What's different about that is that is expected. A woman knows at a certain period, according to what the docs have said, she's going to have labor pains and the baby is going to come. So, so how is it that one metaphor is completely unexpected and the other is completely expected? And why would Paul uh, put the, these two together? The thief says his coming will be unexpected. The pregnant woman says his coming will be unstoppable. When the labor starts, you're going to have a baby. That's unstoppable at that point. Nothing you can do about it. There's no opportunity. I do not say this to scare you. I say this to preach the truth. There's no opportunity at at his second coming to say, oh, wait, wait, wait. I wanted to fix this. I really wanted to follow you. No, no. It's unexpected. It is unstoppable. It's a rude awakening for the lost. This is why there are cards sprinkled about for you to invite people who will come more than any Sunday on Easter. Why? They, they need to be warned, right? They need to be welcomed all at the same time. When people are saying there is peace and security, sudden destruction will come upon them. You say, but, but what about me, uh, you ask? But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. You won't be caught off guard. Why? 
you're looking. You're waiting. And, and you're anticipating so you aren't caught off guard. So how should we react, respond? Uh, maybe get a TV program and try to call the day, right? Get a big following and say, I think it's going to be. No. Paul says, let us be sober. Meaning keep your wits about you. Think. Think. Let us be sober. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So Paul says, this is still war. Jesus is still king. Satan still hates that. When you come to God by faith in Christ, you've got a target on your back. This is still war. So how do we wage war in light of this? What do we do until he gets back? It's interesting what our weapons are. Our weapons are faith, hope, and love, Paul says here. Faith in Christ and his saving work. Hope in his second return and love for one another in this room and outside this room. We are an army uh, that has great faith, that has great hope, and that loves deeply and profoundly and personally. That's what we do. We love each other of all things. We love each other. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. What does that mean? In this passage, when Paul says asleep, he's talking about dead. Don't miss that. When you're awake as a believer, who are you with? Christ. When you're asleep, when you die as a believer, who are you with? Christ. Uh, If you're here, you're with whom? All right, you can do better than that. All right, if you're here, you're with whom? Christ. And when you die, you're with whom? Awake or asleep. Alive or dead. So what do we do? We do two things. We encourage one another and build one another up. Let me deal with those two words. And we're going to finish giving you a way to do that. To encourage one another is that word, that great word in the Greek here, parakaleo, which means to call alongside, to come alongside. Do you know what you do? You come alongside somebody and you say, let me encourage you today. Somebody came up to me after the early service. Betty Thornton did. Her husband, Dan, died just a few months ago. And she said... I needed to hear that again today. And when you've suffered, you do, don't you? We can't hear this enough. And so you come alongside somebody and you say, hey, let me remind you. Let me remind you. One day there will be a resurrection. One day there will be a reunion. And let me warn you, it could be a rude awakening if you don't know Christ. That's to come alongside, to build one another up. Literally is a compound word in the Greek, which means to build a house. How do you do that? A little bit at a time, step by step, system by system, encouraging, 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 day after day after day. 
So this is how we're going to close today. I have a couple friends with me. If you're on the email list, you got that. Um, And uh, they're going to come and we're going to sing an old song that may be new. Come on, guys. Uh, Jamie and Emmett, we're going to sing an old song. So it may be new to you, but for some of you, you've heard this song for years. And this song is the title of the sermon. What a day that will be. I'm going to give you an opportunity if you don't know Christ this morning. Uh, Alan Michael will be here. Please come and share with him. If God's leading you to join the Grace family, you've come to Starting Point recently, you're ready to take the next step, just come and share that with Alan Michael, and we'll celebrate with you in that. But would you stand and let's sing this song together. You'll see the words on the screen. What a day that will be.
Amen. Would you be seated for just one moment? And as you're being seated, uh, got two or three folks to introduce to you. Let me encourage you this week that, uh, that you encourage one another with these words. Uh, Hope, Jordan, will you guys come? And Brandon, will you come? This is Brandon Sagaon Lozada, and he is coming this morning to join Grace. Brandon, let me ask you, do you know for certain that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? I do. And are you willing to serve him as a covenant member of this church with your time and your talent and your treasure? I do. Welcome you, brother, to Grace. Would you join me and welcome Brandon this morning? This is Jordan Lucasina, and uh, these are all Montreat grads, by the way, or not yet. Not yet. No. <laughs> no, not even close. All right, over here. All right. We're hoping. No, I'm just kidding. Hoping. All right, so uh, these are Montreat grads right here. This is Hope Lowe. This is Jordan Lucasina, soon to be Jordan and Hope Lucasina this fall. And so let me ask you guys, do you know for certain that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Yeah, I do. And are you willing to serve him here as a covenant member of this church with your time, your talent, and your treasure? Uh, Welcome, you guys. Would you welcome them to Grace this morning? So glad to have them. Wow. So Chad Meese just said, it's about time. Yeah. Six years. That's not bad. All right. So glad to have you guys. Uh, Folks, uh, as you leave today, let let me remind you. One of the ways that God can use you tremendously Easter weekend is by praying. And so uh, Adrian mentioned it, 48 hours of prayer, sign up for an hour. You'll simply pray during that hour, call the person after you, pray with them, and they'll pray for the next hour. And we will cover that weekend in prayer. And uh, would you uh, thank Emmett and Jamie for leaving their churches? And uh, thank you guys. And coming to sing this morning. Appreciate that so much. Uh, So sign up for the 48 hours of prayer as you leave. Come and greet these guys. Welcome them to grace. Have a great rest of your Sunday.